0: I must tell you, I am not used to preaching like this, sitting down. Um, I'm not gonna be roaming around much, so you'll be able to focus where we are. And um, I wanna take just a moment to tell you that I didn't come alone. When people found out I was coming to New York, I got all kinds of volunteers. And uh, first of all, I want you to meet uh, the most wonderful person in my life, my wife, Donna. Will you stand? And then, I can't introduce everybody, so all you Shadow Mountain people just stand up so they can see who we are, come on. You know, we've been coming to, we've been coming to New York for years. It's, it's like when COVID came and we couldn't come for Christmas, it was like Christmas wasn't right, something was wrong. We've just been coming here. We, and you know, we've, been, we've done things at the Beacon Theater and um, we've had so much fun doing it. It's been kind of like just part of our celebration. Well, several years back when we had our 25th anniversary at Shadow Mountain, the the wonderful people of that church wanted to do something special for us, and they knew we loved New York. So their idea was, we'll give Dr. Jeremiah and his family a week in New York, and we'll give them two limousines to fly around in the city. So we got a black limousine and a white limousine. And when I, when I first heard about that, I thought that was pretty cool. But that was kinda back when some of the stories of the evangelists were going around and how much money they had and how they were <laughs> flaunting the money. And I got to thinking, I don't know if I wanna go to New York and run around in a limousine or not. So we sort of prayed, Lord, let us do it, because the church gave it to us. And please don't let anybody notice us. You know, it's kind of hard not to be noticed when you're driving around in a black limousine and a white limousine, but we made it through the whole week. And uh, we were staying at the Marquis Hotel. We came back after a long day and got in the, in the elevator, which is if you've ever been there, the elevators are strange because you have to dial them up before you get in them. There's no buttons in the elevator. So once you're in, you're in. And uh, we got on the elevator and I noticed this guy was looking at me. And I know that look. And I knew we were about to be outed. But it didn't turn out the way I thought. We got up close to where his floor was and he said, you look familiar to me. You look like David Jeremiah. I said, well that's because who I am. We just got to his floor, the door opened, he walked out, stuck his head back in. He said, no you're not. So I don't know who he thought I was, but. It's always been a joy to come here, and uh, as some of you know, if you, if you watch the television program that we do, we have been shooting some of our special series uh, from Columbus Circle, from the Jazz Center down there, one of the most beautiful sound stages, you, as you know. And uh, this last uh, June, when we came, uh, we sent out an email to the people that, here in the, in the city that, that are a part of our Turning Point family, and a whole bunch of people from this church came to that, to that uh, shooting, and uh, I wasn't there very long before the girls were coming up, the ladies especially, telling me how great their pastor was and that I needed to meet him, and I said, okay, and so I thought, well, you know, maybe I better do that, so I, we got together, and we had, uh, we had lunch at, uh, at the Marriott, and friends, I got to tell you, I don't think I've ever had an experience quite like that. I don't know if you've ever met somebody and as soon as you meet him, you know, this guy is my kind of guy. <laughs> this guy is somebody I'm gonna wanna be with. <laughs> I went upstairs afterwards and I told Don, I met somebody really special today. He's, he's a man after my own heart, he's a man who loves God and I kind of, I kind of put it in this way. He loves God, he loves the word of God He loves the people of God. He loves his family. And uh, he loves the gospel. And he told me that day that he was living to take a billion people to heaven when he goes. And I thought, oh my goodness. (laughs) So during that time, we sort of put this together that we're doing tonight. I have to tell you what, the people from Shadow Mountain who've been involved in this, putting this together, have told me, nothing but just wonderful stories about the leadership you have in this church. And there was such a wonderful bonding between the churches. And, uh, but I had no idea I was gonna have this happen to me for whatever it's worth. On Labor Day, I, I went to get out of bed and I couldn't move my right leg. And I found out later I have a disease called transference myelitis. I'm getting over it, it's getting better. And next time I see you, I hope I'll be walking. But. Uh, <laughs> Right. I told my wife tonight in the last three months I have been humbled so many times and it's worrying me because the Bible says if you won't humble yourself, God will humble you. And I've been thinking now have I not been humble enough but I want to tell God enough is enough, All right? Anyway, I am so blessed to be a friend of your pastor. Tim and Cindy are just wonderful people. Right, I'll tell you what, if I lived in New York, I'd be here, I'd be, and some of, my, some of my staff came here on Sunday. I got an email from a security guard who's here tonight with me and it said, went to Times Square Church Sunday morning, amazing. How about that? And that's the way everybody feels when they come here. And i want to say to you all, don't take this for granted. I know what goes on around the country. This is a dark world and there are not many places that are pumping as much light into the darkness as you guys are, so don't quit doing it. You you support this pastor and you stand with him and you continue to do what you're doing. There's just a dozen or so churches that I know of in this country that really are doing what we're doing, what you're doing. And we we better be strong because The devil's coming after us, as you can tell. The darkness is getting darker. Here's what I've learned, and and then I'll get to preaching. Um, There is no such thing as darkness. Darkness is only the term that is used to describe the absence of light. So, you know, sometimes I know churches get into the deal of cursing the darkness. I can't imagine why that would do any good. Let's don't curse the darkness, let's just pump light into this darkness, amen? So, I know uh, Michael helped us get going with Christmas and so did Uriel and two of my wonderful friends. Christmas is a time to celebrate. I wanna make a point about that tonight. And if you stop and think about it, isn't it interesting that in the whole world, Christmas is celebrated everywhere and half of the world doesn't even know why they're celebrating, isn't that true? I read this week that Americans will spend 700 billion dollars on Christmas this year, buying presents for everybody in the world except for the person whose birthday they celebrate. (laughs) Kind of crazy, isn't it? And they do it and they don't believe it. And Christmas is like any, it's it's not like any other celebration we have. It's really totally different. For instance, we take one day to celebrate the 4th of July Two days to celebrate Easter. Mother's Day and Father's Day are one day events. But Christmas, if you live in my house, it's two months. (laughs) We are decorated. We are decorated from top to the bottom. And everywhere you go these days, people are celebrating Christmas. If you find yourself in Mobile, Alabama, this Christmas season, head for the city's historic park Bienville Square in Elapalooza, a gathering of more than 1,000 Christmas elves, young and old alike, turn out in green and red elf attire to welcome the Christmas season. Where do they get that? Or if you're near Chandler, Arizona, this is my favorite, look for the 35 foot tall tumbleweed Christmas tree. Ever since 1957, the city has collected 1,200 tumbleweeds from the desert, spray painted them with white paint, 20 gallons of flame retardant, add 65 pounds of glitter and they put them into a giant Christmas tree topped with a star, a tumbleweed Christmas tree. Can you get it? In Louisiana, on top of the levee that borders the Mississippi River, they use fireworks and huge bonfires. And at Shadow Mountain, where I live, we love to celebrate Christmas. People say, Dr. Jeremiah's a Christmas junkie. I guess I am. We love to decorate the campus in the worship center. We host parties. When we get home, Donna will have a party for all the military wives, and we live in a military city. They come to our home and we celebrate with them, many of them whose husbands are deployed. This is one of the great things that she does. That's part of her ministry. <clears throat> we also have an open house, which has way more people than we can fit, but they come and we celebrate. We sing together, we, uh, last year I got really upset because we had a wimpy little old Christmas tree out on our patio. Every time I saw it I was embarrassed. And I, I said to the people that do that for us, get me a bigger tree. And they came in and said there aren't any bigger trees except one that's 90 feet tall. I said well go get it. And, and, and it, came in a, it came in a semi in boxes that had to be put together And we've had it now for the second year and two weeks ago we had our Christmas tree lighting ceremony. I mean it is unbelievable, the the whole joy that comes. And you know our guys, some of them are here tonight, I'll tell on them, our tech people decided they wanted to have a, 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 in California they wanted some snow so they put snow blowers up on the buildings all around where the tree was. And then we got out there and it, it was supposed to snow when the tree was lit. But what they didn't know was the, the thing that triggered the snow thing was, was on Wi-Fi and there were so many people on Wi-Fi to watch it that they burned up all the broad and it couldn't work. So listen to this, we had the tree lighting and then when everybody left, it snowed like crazy. And this last year, uh, two weeks ago, we had our second annual tree lighting and a thousand more people came in the, than the year before just because, why do they do that? Everybody wants to celebrate Christmas, and this year more than ever before. The lights are out earlier, the songs are on the radio earlier. You know why? We're so filled with despair because of what's happening in our world today. Christmas promises a little hope, and even if they don't understand what it's all about, people gravitate toward Christmas. And we're just really following the tradition of the Bible. Have you ever read the narrative of the Christmas story and seen how much celebratory language is in it? I mean, everywhere you look, I'm gonna give you some examples so you can kind of follow along with me. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has regarded this lowly state of his maidservant. Behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. That's celebrating. And Zechariah said, blessed is the Lord God of Israel for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And you know the angels praised God and they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And the shepherds had a worship service and they glorified and praised God for all the things that he had, they had heard and seen. Then came the wise men. They didn't miss out on the celebration either. Listen to their words as they came to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. I love that phrase. Have you done rejoicing with it? I heard you tonight. You were joying with exceeding great joy. Amen? Isn't that a good thing? that's a, good, that's a good Bible term. Anybody get after you for being full of joy, you just tell them, I'm, I'm doing what the Bible says. I, I'm, I'm, I'm full of exceeding great joy. And they saw the young child with Mary his mother and they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold and frankincense and myrrh. I want you to think about Christmas with me tonight as a celebration. Celebrating the coming of Jesus Christ to be our savior. According to the Oxford Dictionary, to celebrate means to acknowledge a significant or happy day, an event with a social gathering and enjoyable activity to honor or praise God publicly. I want to set a tone tonight for this season and I want to give you three reasons why you should celebrate Christmas. Christmas, is the season when we acknowledge that Almighty God in Heaven dispatched his only begotten Son to this Earth to be our Savior. But the blessing goes way beyond that. Let me suggest to you tonight that we should celebrate the miracle of Christmas. The miracle of Christmas is worth celebrating, and you know what that is? Just a little phrase, God like us. That's the miracle. Matthew 2 says this, or, or not Matthew 2, let me get the other scripture up here, but the scripture tells us in Hebrews that it was necessary for, for him to be made in every respect like us. I want you to wrap your mind around that tonight. When God sent Jesus here, he sent him here to be like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be a merciful and faithful high priest before God. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said it this way, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Watch this. God manifested in the flesh. John said it this way, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In his letter to the Philippians, Paul included a little hymn about our Lord's coming to earth to be one of us, and listen to what this says. Christ, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, now listen carefully, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. One of the great reasons to celebrate Christmas is because God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus here and Jesus became like us. Like you and me, like the person next to you, the person in front of you, the person in back of you. He became flesh, he became human. And when we find ourselves immersed in the realities of human experience, Jesus knows exactly how we feel. The Bible says he was tested in all points, like as we are, yet apart from sin. There's not anything you have ever experienced or will experience in your life as a human being that Jesus does not understand. Jesus is God walking around in a body, and in that body he experienced everything that it means to be human. I was thinking about this today. Have you ever read the verse in Isaiah? Sometimes it gets, Neglected because it becomes a a place where people want to argue about doctrine, but I don't want to argue about the doctrine. Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our sins were laid upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. I just want you to listen to that. Wounded, bruised, chastised, and stripes laid upon his body. He was human. Whatever you're going through, Jesus has been there and done that, he understands it. He's one of us. The Bible says he tasted flesh for us. Now the humanity of Jesus is easy to to prove by just reading about his life. He was born, he grew up, he had brothers and sisters, he became tired, he thirsted, he grew hungry, he became physically weak, he suffered and he died. One author said about him, Jesus was really human. That means that when he didn't eat enough, he became hungry. When he didn't sleep enough, he got tired. When the soldiers pushed the thorns into the skin of his scalp and drove the nails into his wrists, it hurt, and then there's the most profound evidence of all. Jesus died. He didn't just seem to die, or die halfway, or kind of die, he died as humans die, he died the death of humanity. And the story doesn't end with his death, but there's no getting around it. He died in his human body. And Jesus not only proves his humanity by what he does or what he did, but think of this. He proved it by what, what, what we feel and what he feels. The Gospel writers paint their portraits of Jesus using a kaleidoscope of brilliant emotional colors. Jesus felt compassion, he was angry, he was indignant, he he was consumed with zeal. The Bible says he was troubled, he was greatly distressed, he was sorrowful, he was depressed, He was deeply moved and grieved and he sighed and he wept and he sobbed and he groaned and he was in agony and was surprised and amazed and rejoiced very greatly and was full of joy. He was like us, like you, like me. All the emotions you have, Jesus has. Finally, Jesus not only did what we do and felt what we feel, He thought like we think. He developed the ability to think through things. One of the hard things for me to wrap my mind around is the fact that he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God. Somehow, in the intricacy of God's plan, Jesus learned the way we learn. Think about this, he had to study the Hebrew scriptures. He had to memorize them just like we do. His memory, his perceptions, His mental functions were human, he was intelligent, he was wise, but he had to apply himself and he grew in knowledge. Now Jesus always was and always will be God. His deity is undeniable, but here's what a lot of people don't understand. With his miraculous conception and birth, Jesus Christ became human. Listen to me, permanently human. He will forever possess both natures, both human and divine. And at this very moment, he rules and reigns at the throne of heaven. And if we had a telescope tonight and could look into the heavens, you would see him still fully human and totally divine, <laughs> seated on the throne next to the Father. I know that sometimes when we pray to Jesus, we think of him sort of being ethereal, sort of he's up there in his spirit next to God. No, he's up there in his body with the wounds in his hands and in his side and in his, in his scalp. He's there and when you get to heaven, you're gonna see him. He's going to be in his humanity in heaven. He's fully divine and fully human, has been since Bethlehem, and always will be. Philip Yancey said, in Jesus something new happened. God became one of his own creatures. <laughs> An event unparalleled, unheard of. In fact, in the fullest sense of the word, the God who fills the universe imploded to become a peasant baby, who like every infant who has ever lived, had to learn to walk and talk and dress himself. In the incarnation, God's son deliberately handicapped himself to be like you and like me. So don't you ever say, I'd tell the Lord this, but he wouldn't understand. He understands. He's been where you've been. He is one who understands everything you faced. And when you talk to him, the Bible says, we do not have one who does not comprehend or have compassion. One of the reasons I love Christmas is it reminds me that God loved me so much. He sent me a savior who I can understand and who understands me. He sent me Jesus, amen? Now, here's the second thing to celebrate at Christmas. The miracle of Christmas is God like us. The meaning of Christmas is God with us. Now listen to that one. The meaning of Christmas is wrapped up in one word, one name. I think it may be my favorite name for Jesus. The name is Emmanuel. Say that out loud with me, <laughs> Emmanuel. It's named in the Bible just three times, two two times in Isaiah and once in Matthew. But here's what you find in the Old Testament. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, behold, The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Now there's a a oblique reference to it in the eighth chapter, but here's how the angel Gabriel used this same name for Jesus in the New Testament. Listen to every word. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. I love that. Where is God? He's up in the heavens, but he sent his son to be with us. Sometimes we think of God in his majesty, way, away up in heaven, bow down in worship and we should. Oh, how important it is to hold him in the holiness of who he is. But he is not just a faraway God, he's a close at hand God. He's the Emmanuel who came to be with us and continues to be with us. He shares our labors He knows the dull, drab drudgery of our common tasks, the heavy misery of back-breaking toil. He shares our trials and our limitations. He was poor, with no place to lay his head. He was hungry, grateful to the converted women who ministered to them of their substance. He was thirsty, begging water from the water of the Samaritan woman. He was weary and exhausted and sat for rest on the well. He bore our sorrows, he bore our heartaches. If there was death in the home, it brought tears to his eyes. When he looked upon the crippled, the leper, the blind and the helpless, his heart was moved to compassion. Anybody could, re- anybody could approach the Lord Jesus and be welcome in his presence. The poor, the weak, the sinner, the simple. God is with us in all love and infinite blessing. And isn't it true that when we need him the most, that's when he is the most with us. This, this year, when I, uh, when I had this virus that uh, has taken its toll of me, I went into the hospital and I was in the hospital for the longest time in my life, for one whole month. I was in two different hospitals, but a hospital is a hospital. What you all know is when you go to the hospital, you leave your dignity at the door. And if you're a pastor, Pastor Tim, you pray to God that none of the nurses from your church will be ministering to you when you get to the hospital. And I can't, we got so many nurses at Shadow Mountain, there's no way to avoid them, and they're great. But you just got to swallow your pride and say, okay, Lord, whatever it is. I was in these hospitals, and in the hospital, you need somebody to be with you. My wife came every night to see me, during the visiting hours. I never even told her this. But the moments when she left were some of the loneliest moments you will ever face in your life. And if it weren't for God with us, I don't know how you'd get through it. And I know some of you know what I'm talking about. God is with you when you need him. He's with you when you want him to be there. He's not a God who's only good when you don't need him. He's a God who's there when you need him. The Lord Jesus was with me every minute. He never left me. Sometimes when you wake up at night and all you can do is look up, you look up and realize he's watching over you. He's there. You're never totally alone. You read your Bible, you pray, and you know Jesus is with you. Now, I want to point out to you how very important this is for all of us here as we enter into the Christmas season. The last words that Jesus spoke before he went back to heaven are these words. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He never leaves us. He will be with us all the way until the updraft of the rapture carries us to heaven and then we'll be with him in person forever and ever. Jesus would not let us forget that Emmanuel is an eternal presence. He is with us today. The Bible says that Emmanuel is here for us in our time of stress and our time of struggle. I'm sure you know the statistics that during the Christmas season, psychologists and psychiatrists, counselors, have their busiest schedule. People come unglued during the Christmas season out of fear and loneliness and the realization that lives that they once had have been shattered through the things that happened to families and through serious illness. The Bible tells us that Emmanuel is here. Listen to Hebrews. He himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The prophet Isaiah recorded these words of the Lord. He said, fear not for I am with you, be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Men and women, during this Christmas season and all seasons, the Lord is with us in our struggles, and that should encourage every one of us. Every time you feel down, every time you feel like life is just overwhelming you, and the pressure is on every side, and no matter what you do, it's not right. No matter where you go, it's the wrong place. Just remember that Emmanuel has come and if we were to walk into your life today and look over your shoulder into the struggles you face, he would say, don't be discouraged. I am with you. We'll get through this together, we will. We'll get through this together, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. What the writer of Hebrews says is this, Jesus who came to be with us has a vast storehouse of experience that encompasses every experience you or I could ever have. Jesus has been tested in every kind of weakness that is known to man and he never sinned. Whatever you experience, you have an Emmanuel who has been there and done that. And when you go to him, my friends, he understands because he's just like you. Jesus has walked where we have walked. He's experienced what we've experienced. And every sorrow and agony and disappointment that we have known, the Son of God knew while he was on this earth. Now here's the takeaway. In that same passage of Hebrew it says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. The one who came humbly to us ask us to come boldly to him. Isn't that interesting? He came and became one of us, and now he says, come to me. Don't mince any words, blurt it all out. Tell me what's on your heart. Lord, you've been there, you experienced it, let me tell you what I feel. What's happening in my heart right now? Lord, hear my prayer, hear hear my prayer and help me. That's the meaning of Christmas. The miracle of Christmas is God like us, The meaning of Christmas is God with us, and the message of Christmas is God for us. Oh, I love that. God is for us. Finally, Christmas is worth celebrating because it shows us just how much God is for us. Isn't that a great thought? He's on our side. He's on our team. He wants joy and blessing in our life. He wants our success and happiness more than we can ever imagine. I love the way Paul put this to his Roman readers. He said, if God be for us, who can be against us, amen? The Apostle John wrote this. He said, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us, sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The Bible says that God manifested his love for us, and the word manifest means to make something visible or known, to take the cover off of it, to unwrap it. At Christmas, we celebrate the moment when God made his love known. He didn't send us a message, he didn't send us a telegram, he didn't write us a transcript, he sent us his only son, He sent a a man because the message was needed by men and he sent his own son. When God showed his love for us, he sent his only begotten son into the world. In that verse, Jesus, we are told, came to earth as a baby so that we might have true life. William Barclay helps us understand what this means. He wrote, everybody has existence, but not everybody has life. Jesus gives us someone for which to live. He gives us strength by which to live. He gives us peace in which to live. With Jesus, there comes into the life the thrill of a great adventure, the strength to master life's frustrations, and a background of contentedness. Living with Christ turns mere existence into fullness of life. Uh, We have illustrations of this all the time, you guys. I am a, a sports person, in fact, My son Daniel, who was on the NFL Network, is here with me tonight. And uh, I get all the inside stories from Daniel, find out what's really going on. I wish I could tell you what's happening with the Padres, but even he doesn't know that, so. But here's something very interesting. Did you know there's a book about all the people who got Super Bowl rings, who got rid of them within the first two years after they had them? They pawned them off. We have some friends who live in Texas, and as you know, the Texas Rangers won the World Series this year. The manager of the Texas Rangers is a guy named Chris Young, and he works out in the gym where I go. He's six foot 10, and uh, he's, he's one of these analytic guys. He's the numbers guy. He brought the Rangers out of nowhere, and they won the World Series. After it was over that night, I was watching it with Donna, and I said to her, I bet you tomorrow somebody will say, is that all there is? Is that all there is? I went to the gym the next week and Chris was there. And we talked a little bit and he didn't say it in exactly those words. You realize that God didn't create you to be satisfied by winning the World Series. He didn't create you to be satisfied by being number one in your job. He created you to be satisfied through your relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, there isn't anything any better. You know, uh, when we started out ministry years ago and had no idea what God was ever gonna do and if he was gonna do anything, we determined that we would make this not just my deal or my deal and Donna's deal, but our whole family's deal. And we have been everywhere doing ministry together. We go home here on a few days and have Christmas and then we're going to the Caribbean on a cruise. I know somebody has to do that, so we do that. But but, uh, it's a ministry cruise. I've preached all over the country in every kind of place you can imagine. And in most cases, my family has been with me. Guess what? They love the ministry and they want to be a part of it and that's what goes on when you do that. I know, I know some preacher's kids who hate the ministry because their parents chose ministry over them. That's not ever to be true. The Bible gives us a pretty good priority for that I'll get off on a rabbit trail here if I'm not careful but what I want to tell you is this and I want to say this to you with all of my heart. If you really want to know what it really is like to live and to have joy in your heart and realize you're living for something beyond whether or not you get the next goal that you have on your chart. You need Jesus in your heart. The Bible says he came to give you an abundant life, a life that will fill you up until you don't know what to do. It will be so incredible. You want to tell everybody about it. You want to share it in countries like you do and with people here in the city. Christmas shows us the meaning of true love, the Bible says scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, God died. Christ died for us. Listen to me, friends. He is like us, this Jesus of Christmas. He is with us. He's our Emmanuel, and he is for us. He came and he gave his life for us and so Christians ought to be celebrating constantly. We ought to be preoccupied with parties and banquets and feasts and merriment. We ought to give ourselves to the celebrations of joy because we have been liberated from the fear of life and the fear of death. We ought to attract people to our church, quite literally, by the sheer pleasure there is in being in that church and being a Christian. I was, uh, we had a big celebration a couple months ago and I went. we have another building next to our worship center called, um, it's an event center where it's, it's brand new, pretty new anyway. I went over there because there was a meeting on the second floor and I got in the elevator to go up to this meeting and there was a lady in there and she said to me, Dr. Jeremiah, I don't come here often but I gotta tell you, you got a fun church. I said, I got what? She said, you got a fun church. I've never been to a fun church before. She said, all the churches I've ever been to are sad and morbid, and, and uh, she said, your church is fun. Now, I know what she meant. There's joy in that church, just like there's joy in this church. <laughs> One of the things that attracts me to this church and to your pastor is that truth. It's a place of joy, and if you do not know that, you are missing out on the Christmas story. Listen to this when the when the shepherds were confronted by Jesus or by the angels uh, they said to the shepherds do not be afraid for behold take that little phrase i just discovered that last week here's what he was saying don't be afraid don't be fearing be beholding what are you su- behold a child is born a child is born he's the gospel and he will save you from your sin if you can't get excited about that, something's wrong in your heart. And you know what, I used to apologize. You know, we have, every church has got a few of these. We have a few people who think that we kind of go overboard sometimes. And uh, you know, Michael, is a, he's, a, he's a, a bundle of energy. And he does, uh, we just had a Christmas program where he came down from the ceiling on a rope. One time he jumped off the stage, but we we control Michael, he's all right. (laughs) He gets so excited, and we all get excited. But friends, I want to tell you something. It's Christmas time. Don't Don't ever apologize for celebrating the joy of Christmas. I want you to take me seriously like you never have before. Maybe you never thought about this. Celebrate with all your heart. Sing in the shower. Sing by the Christmas tree. Sing when you're shopping. Be filled with the joy that you have a God who loves you so much, he came to you and he's just like you and he's with you and he's for you and more than anything else, he wants you to be with him. In his book he says this, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus came to be with us so that we could go and be with him. And my question to you today is this, are you going to go be with him? Heaven is a place that requires an advanced reservation. You don't just show up at the door and get in. To get to heaven, you have to receive Jesus Christ as your savior. That's what the Bible says. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You may think it's very, very selfish that I would say to you there's only one way to heaven, but I'm not saying that to you. The Bible is saying that to you. There's only one way to heaven. Once somebody told me this, there's only one way for a person to become a human being through the joining together of a father and mother and the sperm, the egg. Only one way. So, why, why should we think it's so strange that there's only one way to become a spiritual person? There's only one way. You know that? It's through the Holy, it's through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. You can't be saved without the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And I want to. I want to tell you tonight. I came here to say to you, if you don't know Jesus Christ, don't go through this Christmas season without Him. I mean, I I did think a little bit about coming to New York. I, I wasn't sure whether it was safe or not. I see they show all the bad stuff on TV. You know that. And um, but I'm not I'm not talking about all of that. I'm just saying, I I want you to know the Jesus that I know. No matter what happens to you, I mean, things happen that you don't expect. You don't know, you don't know what to do. You do. How many of you know when things like this happen to you? You don't even get to vote on it. You don't even get to say, okay, that'll be fine, Lord, if you want to do that. No. But you do know this, the one thing that never changes is the eternal presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, and if you don't have that, if you don't have Jesus in your life, you're out there, you're doing this all by yourself. You don't want to live life alone. You were not created to live life alone. So I want to ask you tonight, if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, wouldn't you like to do that tonight and kick off this season with the new birth and go to Jesus and and make him the Lord of your life? I'm gonna step out of the way here in a moment and have your pastor come. He knows you and he knows how to talk to you about this. But I just want to tell you I love you, I love this church. I feel so at home here. um, And one of the most wonderful things that could ever happen is if you came to church tonight without Jesus, you leave church with him in your heart. Amen, amen, thank you so much.
1: Let's all stand together. Wow, what a word. Look at the person next to you and say, wow. (laughs) And let me just say this. Here's what's important. I want to do what Dr. Jeremiah says. And before we leave this place, before you walk out of these doors tonight, the Bible calls that term that you just heard today about God with us, and even, let me add one more to Dr. Jeremiah's, it's God in us. So how does that happen? The Bible calls it being born again. Just as you had a, a physical birth, most of you born in, the, in a hospital, it's a spiritual birth. That's God in us. How does that happen, Pastor Tim? It's as simple as ABC. It's A, admitting that we're a sinner. It's admitting that all of us are broken on the inside. There's not a promise you can make to get everything right with God. There's not a program. There's not a prescription you can take to fix it. We are broken. One person said it like this. We are, we are sinners in need of a Savior. We're not mistakers in need of correction. We don't need a second chance. We need a second birth. How does that happen? It's B believing that God sent the Son to become our sin bearer. It came down. You know what's incredible that I want you to do before you leave this place tonight? Wouldn't it be ridiculous for Jesus, for God to say to you, if you want to go to heaven, you got to do your best, but I'm going to send Jesus to die on the cross? That doesn't even make sense. It'd be child abuse. I'm going to send my Son. To go through this pain for you, but in order for you to get to heaven, you're going to have to do your best. That is not the gospel. He died the death I was supposed to die. He lived the life that I couldn't live. And he gave me a reward, heaven and forgiveness, that I don't deserve. And it's believing that he did that. And finally, see, confessing him as Lord. That's the big one. That's the pivot of changing it from religion to relationship. Because when you confess Him as Lord, Romans 10, 9, and 10 reminds us, that word reminds us, that he, he doesn't just get to speak to you when you show up in a building like this. He talks to you every single day. To be Lord means you're the boss, or in a sense, He's got veto rights every single day. He can speak. He is there. He will walk with us. Folks, that's why, just this, this, listen for a second. When Jesus came 2,000 years ago, died on that cross for us, it was not to get you to church. It was to get you to heaven. That's why he came to do that. To get us to heaven. Wouldn't that be ridiculous? He, He suffers, rises from the dead, goes to the right hand of of God the Father and says, now we get to get them in church for two hours. Or if it's Times Square Church, more. And what you do is you start to realize, you're going, that's not what his intention is. It's forgiveness now and eternity forever with him. We get to be with him because God is in us. For just a moment, I want you to close your eyes and bow your head for just a second. It's the most important question anybody could ever ask you and here's the question have you been born again and that can happen right now that miracle can take place right now well pastor tim i'm not perfect oh exactly here's good news tonight perfect people don't go to heaven forgiven people go to heaven and that can happen right now online balcony main floor those that are watching in overflow tonight if you're here tonight and say pastor tim i want to be born again when you pray that born again prayer would you just include me would you put me in that prayer tonight i want to believe for god to come into my life and change me from the inside out with every head bowed and every eye closed if you're here tonight just say pastor tim put me in that prayer tonight i want to be born again without any hesitation Would you just hold up your hand and say, put me in that prayer tonight. Hold it up as high as you can. I want to make sure I see every hand that's up. Keep them up high. Keep them up high. There's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Keep them up. 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39. Could you put your hands together for those that have just come on? I want with those 39 people and those watching online, those that are here, I want us to all pray this together. Come on, let's all say this together. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame and my guilt and you died for it you faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven a purpose on earth and a relationship with your father today Lord Jesus I turn from my sin to be born again come on now say this with me loud God is my father Jesus is my Savior The Holy Spirit is my helper, and heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on, put your hands together one more time. Oh, hallelujah. You made the greatest decision of your life. Listen, I want you to do one thing for me. We're going to sing one song before we go, but if you were one of those 39 that raised your hand tonight, do me a favor, you'll see it on the screen. I want you just to text the word DECIDED to 51,000. It's going to start you on a brand new journey. Start you on something that God is going to begin. We'll we'll just send you a couple of things to help you on that journey. If you're watching online, there's going to be a link. You can click that link, and that link is going to bring you to a place and a Zoom. That you're going to be able to be with others that will begin to show you what what the next steps are so we want to believe for god to do that what a great night can we thank dr jeremiah michael sanchez Yuri vega one more time what a joy what a blessing